Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Ben, Ben Sow, author of Built to Innovate, Essential Practices to Wire Innovation into Your Company's DNA. Many people believe innovation comes from a sudden aha moment. Stories are told of inventors sitting around eating Cheerios one minute and running down the street the next screaming Eureka. But that's rarely the case. Ben is here to explain how you can embed continuous innovation into your company using a systematic approach. And we'll hear all about it in just a minute. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. This is going to be a good one. I yeah. love innovation. You and I both being of the visionary type. Yeah. This is sort of right up our alley, right? Yeah, no doubt. I, I let other people execute. <laughs> yeah. I think we're definitely going to have to ask about that, too, though, when yeah. we're in the middle of this. Yeah, it's good. I um, I started reading the book. I didn't even get through it, but I got through about the first third of it and thought we got to have Ben on the show and, and hear what he has to say. Okay, let's dive in. Jump in. Ben Bensow is the professor and former dean of executive education at INSEAD the business school for the world. As an innovation consultant, he's helped some of the world's leading companies build innovation into their corporate DNA. He's been a visiting professor at Harvard Business School and a research fellow at Wharton. Welcome, Ben. Well, uh, I think it's a good morning or good afternoon for you. That's uh, right. Uh, and very and much good evening to you being in Japan at the moment, right? <laughs> Yes, I'm in, in Kobe, Japan. So, uh, Victoria and Mark, thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I'm very excited to, to share with you what, um, what came out from the research for this book. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about the book, Built to Innovate. What's it about and what prompted you to write it? Yes, actually, uh, in his intro, Mark was, uh, was already kind of alluding to something that I, I heard a lot when I was, um, I mean, doing the training and the coaching and, 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 and helping organizations build innovation into their companies. Uh, many people equate innovation with a new product or some kind of life-changing new business model. Right. Uh, I find that also many people think that you need a, a genius leader, as Mark was saying, or, or, or to be a startup to innovate. That's not true. During the research, I found that established, even centuries-old companies can innovate. And how do they do this? Well, in a sense, they don't look for you know, industry-changing uh, effects, but for small, uh, important, and very often unexpected places, you know, some changes that are very important. They use continuous innovation, innovation of every kind, innovation driven by everyone in the organization. And this is what the book is about. The book is about how do you embed continuous innovation into your organization? Why is that an important thing? Or is it an important thing? Well, again, uh, as Mark was saying, everybody is expecting innovation to come from the leaders. Well, that's, that's not really, really true too often. I mean, if you, you know, every company starts with a founder. And very often the founder has that, that vision. But how do you keep the organization innovating all the time? That's one thing. And second, many organizations 
uh, rely on the top leaders or they rely on some specialist within the company. You know, it could be R&D, it could be some, some, some specialist of innovation to bring the innovation. And I think a lot of companies miss the potential of everyone in the organization. And what I've, what, sorry. Oh, no, keep going. It's just... Yeah, yeah. No, what I found over the years doing innovation, and that's, that's what prompted the book, I found uh, many companies, uh, uh, in, in particular, old established companies in traditional businesses, not, not the usual suspects, you know, the, 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 tech, the high-tech companies or the abetment companies, that they were able to enlist and leverage, and leverage the innovating capability of everyone. And the way they would do that is that they would create what I call an innovating engine in the company. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a space uh, protected, fully legitimized space where everyone can innovate. You, so, so, which means that it's not only the top leaders and the, the specialists of innovation. You can innovate in everything you do, not only in your products, but you can innovate in your processes or even in your functions like HR, legal, accounting. And you innovation or innovating, as I call it, innovating becomes a habit. And I think this is what uh, I saw some companies which were like uh, commodity type of companies that were able to turn around uh, their business and become very innovative companies. And I wanted to share these experiences and develop from all the years I've been doing this develop a systematic approach with uh, concepts, tools, and processes of how do you do this in a systematic manner. Now, why is it an, an important thing to innovate? What are the so, benefits to, this, to the companies? I don't know what to say. I mean, it's, 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 you don't have any choice. Do you? <laughs> right. I, yeah. You know, the, the, when you look at it, the, the, the environment is, 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 is changing so fast, digital transformation, sustainability, all these pressures that are, uh, uh, you know, uh, on, on, on companies. I mean, if you don't change, if you don't look for new businesses, if you don't improve the way you function, I mean, you won't be there. It's, it's I mean... Again, I mean, I mean, I, I can elaborate on this, but I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, the, that that's a, that's a no-brainer. I mean, you, you can't you can't survive if you don't innovate. I mean, that's 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 the basic point. Ben, in, in the book, you write a little bit about, and I forgot exactly what the term some of these companies used, but you mentioned a few companies that uh, that give their employees like ten percent of their time to be just playing around, tinkering. To innovate, yeah. can you yeah. can you speak yeah. a little yeah. to that? Because especially like in a world like you think of like, I, I would think remodeling would be kind of more in a, from a manufacturing perspective, where you've got just these worker bees that are just they need to crank out crank out jobs, right? And they just got to keep moving. So, uh, if you could just talk to that a little bit and right. and the right. ROI so, expectations. So so please uh, push push back, uh, uh, Victoria and Mark. If you think I I didn't explain enough why innovation is important. Okay? So <laughs> we will. Once, 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 once that, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in remodeling understand that innovation is, is essential to the survival of the company. So now having said that, now uh, it, it is clear that uh, whether you, 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 um, you frame it that way or not, every company operates with two engines. 
One, I call it the execution engine. Basically, you're, 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 uh, you're executing, you're implementing today's strategy. But at the same time, because of all these trends that are aggressing your business and changing the business environment, the industry, the technology, the customer needs, the regulations, you have to prepare and imagine the future of the organization. So now, so it means that you need to have an execution engine and an innovating engine. So the innovating engine is, you know, something that you have to take care of. You cannot just uh, expect that people will, will, will come with ideas. You have to create um, a concrete organization where, as I said before, people, anybody can innovate. So for people to innovate, I would say they need three things. They need to, uh, I mean, they need to feel that they are able, which means that they need to have permission and, and that sounds very obvious, but I very often ask senior executives, you know, and they all agree that if you don't give permission, people won't do it. Number one. And, it, and when I say permission, it has to be sincere. You have to give sincerely permission. And we can talk about how to do that. The second thing people need to feel that they are capable, which means that they need tools, they need training, they need time, they need the space to do it. And then the third one is that they need to feel motivated. They need to have the desire to innovate. And, and I think that that is not the complicated one. I think the one in the middle, which is uh, to, to, to give them the permission and to create the space. So this is where companies uh, create maybe 10%, uh, you know, some others create 5%. For me, it's not so much how much you do it, is that you create that, um, that habit that everybody in the company, and I'm insisting, it's everybody. It's not only the, the senior leaders or those who like, or like you said, those who have some sort of a, a visionary uh, kind of a, a attribute to them. I'm saying everybody in the company should be spending, on a regular basis, should be spending some time doing some innovating activity. And, and that could be as simple as uh, spending some time with a customer but with a different mindset. But we can talk about that as well. Okay, so do talk about that a little bit. Now, a lot of the companies that are in our listening audience might have 7, 12, 15 employees, right? Small businesses. Right, And right. Um, so how would you train them? What sort of tools and training would you suggest to have everybody be innovative? I mean, again, uh, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a whole uh, a couple chapters actually in the book that describe very specific tools, but it's, it's not so much, I mean, you know, people can read, can find it, but I think what is really important is that people understand that it's, it's, it's more a question of the mindset and getting people to understand how to switch their mindset when they move from execution to innovation. So when they are in execution, the, the, People don't necessarily notice, but their their mindset is really come uh, from a supply side perspective. They're looking at the, from their point of view how are they going to solve a problem, a given problem for the customer. So it's very much problem solving. It's really like um, how would I say? It's a very conversion process, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to find multiple solutions and which one is the optimal position solution. When people move and they have to switch their mind into an innovating mindset, they have to embrace a customer side perspective, customer side view, and look at the world from the customer. And because 
What is and this is by the way now this is not about problem solving this is about problem finding okay. it's about finding what new problems can we solve for the customers problems that even maybe the customers don't know about so this is a very divergent mindset and when people are in the customer mode they need to listen to a few things i mean i can i can highlight three i mean people are very familiar with what uh, people call uh, the voice of the customer is really to listen to the pain points the you know the, the wishes the desires uh, the likes of the customers and there i think contrary to when you're in, in supply side you need to develop uh, empathy you have to listen to your customer with empathy even if it's like i said you know uh, if you have five five ten people uh, just make sure that next time when they go see a customer they can spend 10 15 minutes at the end of a meeting switch their mind from you know i call it from a, a sell mode to a, 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 or a tell mode to a listen mode okay. try to listen try to listen uh, uh things that uh, the that customers are trying to say and it takes it, it i mean there are tools okay there are lots of tools for that, but I think it's really the attitude that is important. The second thing people need to learn how to listen to is what I call the silence of the customer. How do you the mean? The silence of the customer. This is what the customer doesn't tell you. And these are things they don't tell you either because they, they don't know themselves or sometimes it's even worse. They know about the problem, but they don't tell you because they don't think it's your job to solve that problem. Can you but get... as I say, if you solve for the customer a problem, they don't think you should solve for them, but you do it, they're going to love you, yeah. right? <laughs> so let me, let me I mean, again, uh, uh, I know these examples that I might mention are not directly about the remodeling business, but it, I mean, just as an inspiration, let me kind of tell you about how uh, Philips, the, uh, the Dutch uh, uh, you know, uh, consumer electronics and appliance uh, company, how they developed the, the, the very first kettle uh, with a, um, uh, a lime scale filter. You know, the, the, the kettles to boil water. Okay, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they were the, the first ones who developed uh, a kettle with a mouse filter that stops lime scale. I mean, you can check your kettles. They all have that. Now. Right. Um, but when it, uh, the way they discovered about it, Actually, it was one of uh, a consultant in our research team who was commissioned by uh, to help you know Philips uh, re-energize their market share in the UK market. This was for the UK market. So, for some reason, the, the team leader sent a few people in the team, the research team, the innovation team, to live with um, uh, British families. <laughs> Literally live with the client, live with your customer, be your customer, you know, as I said. Wow. Uh, and, and it took only a few days for the guys to, to realize that um, pe people, when they were pouring their, their boiling water in the cup of tea, there was this little kind of coat, that little, uh, you know, uh, uh, you say coat of limescale, you know, there was a, yes. some limescale, I mean, because the water had a lot of calcium that was floating. And they noticed that people um, were aware of it because they were painstakingly trying to scoop it with their, with their spoon, you know, oh. and take it out. So look, this is a very interesting issue because this is a problem that the customer is aware of, 
Now, would they complain to the kettle manufacturer about it? Probably not. Probably not. In fact, they they send letters to the water authorities. Oh, okay. Right? They they talk to the water operator and and complain about the calcium in the water. But 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 I mean, Philips it just took their uh, you know uh, scientists to 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 develop a little filter, a mouse filter uh, uh, in a kettle, and uh, it would stop the line scale where people are 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 trying to. Um... So this is. This is a very, uh, uh, I mean, you can see the example how it, sure. it speaks to the, the silence of the customer. This is not something the customer, even though they have the pain point, even though they know about it, they won't tell you, even though it can be very easy for you to solve, to solve the problem for them. And then right. just quickly, uh, and, and we don't need to, to, to elaborate, we can come back to it later. A third type of uh, people, uh, uh, your employees should spend time with is what I call non-customers. See, we, co- we talked about the customers, right. your existing target customers, but then there are some non-customers, people who are not necessarily, I'm not talking about people who, who you would like to be your customers. I'm talking about people who are in your ecosystem. So for remodelers, I think it, the example can speak very nicely because the remodelers, they might have an end customer who's paying for the remodeling, who's paying for the project. But along the way, there are architects, there are designers, there are uh, influencers, there are specifiers, there are regulators who are going to affect what you can do and what you can do. So what, what this is saying is that what if you create value for the specifiers? Mm-hmm. Right. That is innovation because these specifiers will will spend more time, you know, pushing your solution. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, a very nice example in in in, in the book about uh, a cement company, uh, Ecosem, who who developed uh, a new technology uh, which is very eco-friendly, uh, a lower carbon footprint. It's a uh, it's made out of a residue from uh, 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 you know metallurgy industry, but the problem is that the industry is uh, dominated by a few big companies. Okay, and they were blocking you know uh, lobbying against the, the 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 customers against this technology. So what the company did instead of trying to convince the customers, they went to work with the regulators. And they introduced the new technology there. They trained and explained the new technology to the regulators. And when the regulators saw what it would do to the, to the, to the environment, they actually changed the regulation to allow for this technology. And now the customers were approaching the company for that. So you see, the innovation was not with the final customer, was with the regulators. So again, here, think about your whole ecosystem. Who are the people who are in touch with your processes, with your products, with your people, and see if you you can't find a solution to a problem of these people. That would unlock, you know, market for you. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was that everybody in the company should be trained to be an innovator for the company. Right. Right. Do you believe that all people are capable of innovation or are there just some people that it's not so much their thing, they're more a worker bees and that's where they want to be? Okay, so this is, this is a very interesting question. Very interesting question. Uh, uh, 
I start with the premise that um, everyone has an innovative potential, can innovate, number one. Number two, uh, everyone has a customer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you have uh, either an external customer or you have an internal customer. Because remember, I'm talking about innovation of all kinds. You can innovate your internal accounting systems. You can innovate in your production system. You can innovate in, in, in many things, right? Uh, so uh, I'm not talking about only products. I'm talking about all types of innovation. So now everyone has at least a start of, of, of innovative capability. Um, uh, uh, everyone has a customer. And learning how to innovate is, as, just as what I was saying earlier, is about paying attention to the customer. Is, is, is really, when you are in execution mode, you are executing. When you have procedures, you have, you have you know, uh, KPIs, and you have to be very, very, and you train people, actually. Companies train a lot for execution. I don't think that innovating, learning how to innovate takes, take, takes a lot. I mean, uh, again, I can, I can talk about a few tools, but the tools are very often very simple, uh, intuitive, visual, and it's fundamentally trying to, to, to teach people how to see the customer. I can maybe give you an example to show you how, how uh, I, I, I was kind of, you know, reassured in the notion that everybody can innovate. So Please. this was uh, something we, uh, Starwood, the uh, the hotel, uh, yes. uh, came. So they were they were once in uh, in, in Paris. I mean, you know that my uh, school in Seattle is uh, has a campus in 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 the suburb of Paris. We have another one in Singapore, uh, Abu Dhabi, and now in San Francisco. But but they were in Paris, uh, and they were like um, seven hundred attendees to this global conference that they were running in Paris. Okay. And they, they asked us to, you know, kind of uh, talk to the people about innovation. So what we did is that we gave them, gave them a few tools just to learn about how to pay attention to customers. And then what we did, we split the 700 people in 64 teams. Wow. And then we send them roaming in the streets of Paris with notepads and cameras and just ask them to kind of take pictures and, 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 and try to capture experiences uh, of customers and the other customer lives. So they went out running for, for, and they came back three hours later. And then we started to uh, take, take a kind of log, I mean, uh, code all the, the ideas. They had 1,700 ideas. Wow. Can you believe that? Seven, uh, 1,700 ideas. So we sorted them out. I mean, many of them were, were simple ideas to improve on existing processes. And a few, as a matter of fact, ended up becoming corporate-wide, global, new projects that were launched a few years later wow. worldwide. So, and it was very interesting when we um, debriefed the people after this, uh, many said, you know, I, I didn't think I was an innovative type. <laughs> right. But, but and, and they exactly said, they said, you know, I, I was not, a, I don't, I didn't think I was a creative type, but I think I can do it now. Oh, great. And it only took for them to have this experience, again, I'm insisting on that, to, 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 to encounter your customer, but with a different mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you can have a few tools, but I think it starts with that. And I think that 
if companies start to give permission to people. And by the way, the, the other thing I would like to say, uh, Mark and Victoria, is that uh, my experience uh, working with many companies around the world is that it's really the frontline people who have a difficulty with innovation. Really? How? Why, why is no, that? No, 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 no. Because, okay, so there are two categories of people who have no problem with, with innovation. Of course, the senior leaders, because as, as you were asking, you know, why is innovation important? I mean, you ask them, they understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they know, they know that if they, they don't kind of evolve the business with the times, uh, they won't be there, you know, they won't be there uh, in the future. The other ones who are really keen on innovation are the frontline, because exactly the same reason we're talking about, they are the ones who are facing the customers every day. They right. have to, 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 to deal with their pain points, they have to deal with the things that they wish you could do. So they are very attuned to what customers and non-customers want. So for them, uh, uh, innovation is not is not complicated, and they they have lots of ideas. I'm always shocked. People always before I start an assignment, I do an audit, mm -hmm. and when I debrief, I debrief the senior leaders, and they say they, they start with the assumption that their people are not very innovative. That's not true. Ah. People have a lot of ideas. Now the question is, do they feel? that people want to hear their ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, do they feel that they have the permission? Do they feel that uh, they, they, they are safe uh, to, to talk about their ideas? So I think for me, uh, it's, it's really the front line. Because remember also, people who execute uh, going to visit a customer with a different agenda or experimenting with a new idea brings fun. Mm -hmm, for brings, sure, brings brings something different in their life, and yeah. I think people once they they experience that and they know they can do it in a safe environment. That's why you see I make a distinction between execution space right. and innovation space. Mm -hmm. Execution space, no error is permitted. You have to deliver high efficiency, high quality right. at cost. Right? When you are in innovating, this is. A legitimized space where you 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 can experiment and and, and by the way uh, I, I I have another answer to the question you raised earlier is that uh, can anybody innovate again uh, I'm not saying that anybody can innovate I'm saying that anybody should be participating in some innovating activity okay all right I, I, it's very different from saying that everyone in a company will find that breakthrough insight or whatever but. And, and by the way, I should tell you that you never know who's going to have that insight. Right. Uh, and that's why it's very important for innovating to happen as a team. Mm -hmm. It's a team sport. Mm -hmm. And so anybody in the firm could represent the department as part of a cross-disciplinary team. You can be the HR person who works with a cross-functional team trying to innovate uh, a product or a service. You, being an HR person, have a lot to contribute. You can bring the perspective, a different perspective. You see, this is the important thing about innovation, is that you need different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And if you tell people, please feel free to, 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 to talk about your own experience. I, I, I very often tell people to bring in uh, uh, 
you know, new recruits in an innovation team. Mm-hmm. Bring uh, 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 you know, uh, students, if you can bring in students in your city. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, That's you don't need idea. to only have, you don't need to have only, uh, you know, experts. You know, I have like, for instance, in B2B, I, I, I found some companies who are very smart at bringing in the team, people who retired from their customers' ah. organization. Ah. I thought that was very brilliant because yeah. the, these are people who are retired, right? Yeah. And they know the customer because they used to work there. So you bring them in as very good specialists. But bringing an intern, bringing a, a, summer, a summer school, you know, some, some student who's doing a summer job, I think they can bring something different. They have a different perspective. And that's right. what is important in innovation. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Ben, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of them start the first 10 or 15 minutes of the show just getting to know the guest. And we yeah. innovated in our own way by doing the 60 second lightning round at the end. So are you ready <laughs> so for I, that? Oh, we're already there. We're there. <laughs> that, was, that was fast. That was fast. Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> and now here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a Here we go. We're putting 60 seconds on the clock. What's your favorite business book and why? Okay, so uh, it's the inspiration uh, to all the work I've been doing. It's called Blue Ocean Strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a real departure from traditional uh, you know, strategy, which was red ocean, competitive strategy. And it opened the door to really innovating and creating disruption in your industry. So this, this is my favorite book. Yeah. If you weren't an innovation consultant, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, actually, I know. I, I would have been an English teacher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you not very good at? Oh, uh, at making quick decisions. Uh, my, my wife tells me I'm a terrible uh, person to, to go for, 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 for dinner, to go shopping. It takes me forever, you know, to find uh, to make the final decision. Yeah. Your room, your desk, or your car? Which would you clean first? Uh, I'm sorry to say it's my desk. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Pet Pet peeve. Well, I'm sorry, you have to explain to me. Oh, it's okay. We'll skip. We'll go to something else. Do you apply the five-second rule to dropped food? Oh, my God. I mean, you have to explain to me. This is maybe... Uh, <laughs> okay, I think we should leave all this in. I find it yeah, really okay. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, That's I'm, okay. I'm we'll too, fill I'm you too, on too the French. other. I'm too French. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Ben, this has been awesome. We really appreciate sorry it. Very about that. I'm ex- sorry, I should have. Oh no, no, not at all. It's going to be fun leaving it in. That's I like great. it. Um, you know, that's okay. the, that's the thing about like traveling and getting to know new cultures, right? You know, we're not right, all the right, same, right, so it's very right, cool. Right, right, now, before right. I let you go, um, yes. I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Okay, uh, I'll say them first. Remember to say thank you. Okay. And I think they're important, uh, generally speaking, in life. Uh, and, and, and as you know, I'm in Japan. Uh, my wife is Japanese. I mean, I lived in Japan for a long time. I mean, I've, 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 I've spent also 10 years in the U.S. So I, I, I recognize that saying thank you is very important. And actually, I would even add, learn to say sorry as well sometimes. But, but if, you, if you don't mind, I would like to kind of link it to the book as well. Please. Because I found out, uh, and now I, I include this in my own training, uh, to teach middle managers to say thank you. 
Uh, and here's the, here's the logic. When somebody is in execution mode, as you know, they are, you know, following a procedure, uh, their boss can know at any time if they're performing well their job or not. And they even sometimes have very strict KPIs. But when you are innovating, when you're innovating space, you cannot, you cannot observe. This is something you cannot observe. You cannot measure. You cannot know that somebody on your staff, maybe the, 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 the person answering the phone, uh, uh, you know, has an idea about how to do his or her job differently. And, but you would never know. So very often people are, are a little bit intimidated, maybe shy. They, they, they don't know if people want, their boss wants to hear their ideas, so they play it safe. So that's why for me, I realized that when people go to the boss and say, boss, I have an idea, fundamentally they're taking a big risk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, I'm talking, right. they're taking a big risk. So if you understand when they come to you, they are actually, with a new idea, they are actually giving you a gift. See, when they say, boss, I have an idea, they're taking a big risk, so this is a gift. And when do you, what do you do when you receive a gift? Say thank you. You say thank you. So That's I right. always tell people, whenever somebody comes to you with an idea, you, remember, they're taking a risk and they're, 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 you know, they're hesitating and all that. Right. So please, however bad the idea can be, just say thank you. Thank you for bringing me your ideas. Thank, oh, that's great. That's great, Ben. Now, if our people, if our listeners want to know more about your book, Built to Innovate, or you, or where would they go to find out more? Well, me, they can find me on LinkedIn, no, no difficulty. Uh, uh, for the book, we have a, a website. Uh, so it's uh, uh, BTI, built, uh, built to Innovate, the book.com. BTI, the book.com. Actually, it works also with builttoinnovatethegood.com. And then uh, you can find it, uh, I mean, we're talking about listeners in the U.S., you can find it on Amazon. You can, okay. Uh, All right, great. Yeah. Great. Well, very thought-provoking, and, and it's exciting to hear about how to get people involved. And I loved some of the listening steps you you explained. So thank you so much for being here. This has I, been I great. Thank you. It was really funny. It went so fast. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Now you can go get some sleep because you're in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thank you so much. It was lovely. Didn't you love his example about sending the Phillips scientists yeah. to live? Yeah. You know, it makes me think for our company, right? We should go and be spending, everybody should go and spend a, a day or two following a remodeler around, you know, ride along half the day with the production manager, just really do a deep dive into their companies. I like it. Can I pick the company I go to? Yes. <laughs> I already, yeah, I already know a couple I want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Driving distance, pal. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And the other thing he was talking about is that innovation is not about problem solving, it's about problem finding. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing too that uh, it kind of popped out at me that I don't think we really touched on enough, but innovation, again, that word makes it sound like this big, huge, grandiose thing, right? Like, hey, here's an iPod that never existed before. Right. But, you know, innovation can be even in small things. I, I, I can't think of specific example at the moment, but I've seen where like just some, some carpenter on a job has constantly runs into a problem of maybe a cabinet door getting 
dinged or something and he comes up with some hack, you know, yeah. like these little life hacks or something right. that that prevent that from happening. And those even those little things are innovations in your company that save time, save money, mm -hmm. save all this stuff. And you need to make sure that you're getting that out of these people that might just be doing it themselves because they learned about it. And so they just do it to the, you know, for themselves. Right. To, and, and they're and not you, spreading it through the right, organization. Right. So encourage them to share these mm -hmm. little tips, these little hacks that they've come up with to, to save time, save money and all that stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's all innovation, right? Yeah. Yeah, and again, the last thing he talked about was saying thank you to your employees who come to you with these ideas, even if they're not an idea that you want to implement in the end. The fact that they took right. that risk, say thank you, encourage them to do more. Yeah, I, well, I like how he put it. He said it's a gift. Yeah. This is a yeah. gift that someone's bringing to you. And what do you say when you get a gift, right? Yeah. I mean, that was that was well put. So that was great. We, we want to thank Ben, who's probably hitting the sack right now because he's in Japan. Right. <laughs> and we want to thank, thank Ben for sharing uh, the insights in his book. I can't wait to finish it. I'm, I'm only uh, a part of the way through it. And we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.